<clears throat> and we're going to just look at some verses here. Just a little background on the, on the text, just to help us understand. We're going to use a little our prophetic imagination, like I said to you before. Like we try and get into the story, but also see some principles here for our lives and some things that we can apply in us. As you know, my heart's a pastoral heart. I love evangelism as well, and so I, I kind of see things through that lens. And I'm very blessed that we have a very strong teaching anointing in this house, and we receive that strong word from, from our senior minister. But it's today, I also want to maybe share something practical and things that we can put into uh, application in our lives. So in, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 38 onwards, it says, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for the one who does a mighty work in my name will be, able, will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me, for the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Just up to verse 41. So a couple of things to have in mind, just in, in, the, in Mark chapter 9, uh, the disciples had tried also to cast out a demon from someone that was oppressed and they had failed and Jesus had rebuked them. But there's also, just before this text, there's the transfiguration. That's the moment where Jesus goes up with three of his close disciples and he transfigures, he's, he shines in glory. Moses and Elijah appear. God the Father in heaven says, this is my beloved son, I'm well pleased with him. So all of this happens just before this text. And I just want you to have those two images in your mind. Just keep them there as we begin to kind of open into this. This week I was uh, talking to a, a young man who um, he was a very strong disciple. There was a time he was on fire for God. He was serving God. He wanted to do the ministry, wanted to serve God. But uh, recent changes in his life, some struggles that he's going through, you know, he's, he's taken a different path. And he's, uh, he was at home sick, and so I had got a chance to go and visit to him. And he, he's an interesting young man. He's very young. He's bilingual, very talented. He loves politics. He loves, he's a very ex extraordinary young guy because he also likes fashion as well and stuff like that. And he's now on, on the social media wanting to become famous. Just to explain this a little bit, in, in some people on social media try to become very recognized, very kind of famous by just being famous, really, not, not for actually doing anything in particular. And um, he's one of those young guys who is aspiring. He says to me, I'm trying to reach 10,000 followers because when I get that number, I know I'm, I'm going to be set. I'm going to have everything come to me. And I, I thought it was quite funny because, you know, but that's that millennial, that young generation. They, they aspire to some type of fame and some type of following, but it isn't very real. But yet, he, you know, he, he wants to do that because... He thinks it will give him success. Maybe it will. Maybe he'll, he'll find something in it. Maybe someone in here knows that type of uh, thing and kind of wants to do that as well. And I'm not, you know, uh, speaking negative about it. I think, you know, some people can use it for the glory of God. Maybe others, it is a type of income. But it's interesting because he wants followers. And, so, and I said to him, it seems very superficial because in real life, I mean, I know you. I know your weaknesses. I know your, your struggles. I know you as a person. And when you put these pictures up and you have these, whatever, 1,000, 2,000 people click likes to you, they're just clicking to an image, just something very superficial, not something very real. And then, but he says, yeah, but it's, it's, it's what you can do with it and back and forth and anyway. But I want you just to understand because 
I was thinking about the disciples and I was thinking about what they, they were thinking when Jesus has this conversation with them. And, um, and then, you know, John comes to, to Jesus and, oh, the title of the message, I thought it was an interesting one. It's the, the Mighty Works of the Unknown Believer. I thought that was a good kind of heading. I was kind of thinking about it. Maybe some of you are thinking, what's, what's that all about? But I, I, I think this is interesting because it's this unknown believer we're going to go into in a minute doesn't have this fame, doesn't have this, let's say, followers, all the people looking to him. Yet God says, or Jesus says something powerful to him. But let's just go a little bit into what the disciples have this conversation with him. Because um, remember Jesus came, proclaimed the kingdom, you know, he's anointed to preach to the poor, the gospel, he's, you know, he's here to set the captives free, you know, to recover sight to the blind, he's, you know, to set free those who are oppressed. So, you know, the disciples have been seeing this in Jesus' ministry. They knew that there was, you know, there was this encounter with the power of God, and at the same time that they were supposed to preach the gospel. And we see that the disciples see someone else having some success, see someone else actually doing, and they say to Jesus, look, Jesus, we saw, we, we, we tried to stop him, and, you know, he's not part of us. And so they're saying, you know, Jesus, look, he's not part of the 12. He's not part of the core team. He's not part of, you know, he wasn't there on the Sermon of the Mount, and he wasn't there on the Transfiguration. This, this man is casting out demons. And I think it's interesting because it's John, the beloved disciple, that comes up to Jesus. It's John that comes up. It isn't uh, Peter who kind of puts his foot in it most of the times. It's, it's John, the beloved one. I'm, and I'm sure he's coming, you know, warm-hearted and say, Jesus, you know, we, we rebuke the guy for casting out a demon. We rebuke the guy for doing the kingdom work. And I, can you imagine Jesus looking at them and thinking, wait a minute, guys, you've got this completely wrong. You're, you're, you're rebuking a guy for healing someone? You're rebuking a guy for doing the kingdom work? You're, you're telling this guy to stop? Can you imagine Peter and John kind of grabbing the guy? Stop. Don't set that person free. Don't heal that man. A bit odd, isn't it? But they couldn't see the kingdom how Jesus was seeing it. Yes, there was a group of followers, the more intimate, the 12, the three, James, Peter, John, those who went to the transfiguration with him. But there's also, they didn't understand what Jesus wanted to do. I'm going to explain a little bit more on how he saw the kingdom. How he wanted. And so they, they, they thought, I guess, in their mind, they're being very righteous. Look, you know, we said he shouldn't do it. We saw this person. He shouldn't. He's not part of us. He, they couldn't see that the kingdom is bigger than their vision, their, their way of seeing it. And so they shouldn't have been stopping what God was actually blessing. They shouldn't be putting a hindrance to what God was saying. Yes, I could imagine maybe their frustration, because remember, in just a couple, like I said before, they had tried to cast out a demon and it went wrong. They had tried to, you know, do the, the kingdom work, and it just wasn't happening. Jesus had to kind of rebuke them, you know, you're lacking faith here, guys. But Jesus said to them, don't stop him. You know, he's, and this is the, the interesting part, he's doing a mighty work. That scripture there, he's doing a mighty work. In the gospel of, of Mark, three times it says, mighty work. Two of them are in reference to God himself in Jesus, and one is to this unknown believer. We don't see his name. We don't know his age. We don't know exactly his background. There's not much said about him. But yet Jesus points out he is doing a mighty work. Peter, James, John, all of you guys, look, this guy, 
is doing a mighty work. Don't stop him. They couldn't get the, the understanding of the kingdom yet. They couldn't see that this wasn't about just this small group of men being recognized and being famous or being the, the anointed ones. That the kingdom was that everyone would do the kingdom work, that everyone else. And, and, this, and, it surprised, and when I looked at this scripture and meditating over it and going over it again, I could see, wait a minute, there's some things that this guy did. There's some things that this unknown believer, this, the mighty works of this unknown believer, that we could connect to. This man had revelation. He, did, he wasn't part of the twelve. He wasn't at the transfiguration. We don't know if he was at the Sermon of the Mount. We don't know. At some point, he saw something. He heard something. And he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to, you know, I, I've seen he, he heals the sick. There's, this man's anointed. There's power in his name. So if he's doing it, I'm going to step out. He, he had some revelation. He had faith in Jesus. He knew that the will of God, listen to this, he knew that the will of God was to set the captives free. Even that small bit, that was enough for him to say, I've got to do something as well. He, something ignited in his heart. Something burned in him and said, I'm not going to stay here and just be a spectator. I'm not just going to remain here and just watch. I want to be active. I want to do something. That, that caught my attention. I was looking at this and thinking, this unknown believer, he wasn't even chosen part of the twelve. Remember, Jesus spent almost twelve hours of prayer to choose his twelve, to get Thomas, to get Peter, to get John, to get those men to be part of his twelve. Yet this unknown guy actually knew how to do the kingdom work. I find that interesting for many reasons, because it kind of gives me hope. Because sometimes, yes, you know, you don't know everything. You don't have all the gifts. You don't speak it very well. You're not the most educated one. But yet, if you can get some truth and make it your revelation and make it your truth and step out in faith, that's where the power of God releases. That's where God does something. I like this about this guy. There's kingdom released when we do the Father's will. He just knew enough there's some people that are demonized. There's something oppressed. There's something wrong here. And God's will, his, his heart has to be released in this place. I find that so interesting. Because remember, the gates of hell or Hades will not prevail against the church that is advancing, against the kingdom that is moving forward. And I really believe as a church here, we are advancing and we are moving forward. Why does the enemy attack? Why is all these things happening? Because something is going to happen in this place. Because something that God is going to bring upon. We have been crying out for an outpouring. We have been asking God to move in this place. And we are in such a key site and area of the city of London. That there's something that God will do. And I, I, as we pull and, and just continue to pray. And I believe that there will be many mighty works of unknown believers in this place. For the glory of God. Amen. So Jesus understood. Jesus' mission was not that all believers would be activated, that all would know their, call, their calling, that the priesthood of all believers, that all would do something for the kingdom and the glory of God. I like it how Jesus then adds to, to the disciples, guys, if he's not against us, he's for us. If he's not going against us, he's, you know, he's not preaching against me, he's not saying that I'm false or there's something, he, you know, connect with him. He's learned something. He's seen something that you haven't. And now, you know, you should not stop him. Sometimes God brings help in unexpected places. 
Sometimes God brings help and resources from different areas. And we <clears throat> be ready and open. Ready that when God begins to bring out that outpouring and people start to come with gifts and talents and abilities and different levels of their faith. Though, you know, we may have men and <clears throat> women from different walks of background and cultures and communities, but God will unite them because he wants to do something great in this place. He's not against us. He's for us. And I, there's a distinction here that God is saying, or Jesus is saying through them, guys, there is a battle line. Yes, there is the darkness and there is light, and there are those that are with us, and you need to bring them on board with us. He's not an enemy. He's an ally. And they could still, again, limited maybe by their vision, maybe limited by, but it's just about us. This is, you know, remember, who, remember they sometimes had these arguments. Lord, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to be the one? Who's, who's going to sit at your right and at your left? Not fully understanding. Jesus is always kind of bringing it back to them. Guys, if you want to be great in the kingdom, it's about serving. If you want to be recognized in the kingdom, it's about almost giving yourself to others, not thinking about yourself, washing the disciples' feet. You know, he was continuously flipping it the other way for them, just saying, you guys have got it so wrong. In the religious mindset, yes, it's about the prestige, the honor. Some of you who maybe come from I mean, I, I was in a very strong Latin American culture in some of the Pentecostal churches. We, we kind of had this, you know, the, the man of God. Those of you maybe with the African kind of, or uh, have that kind of thing where the man of God and you honor him and you respect him. And it, and it, and it, it needs to be flipped. I'm, 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 that's the, I know. And I, I had to challenge a lot of the churches that I worked with and say, that has to turn around. It's, it's not what we see in the scripture. Well, you know, it is nice to serve and honor and bless those in authority, but it's also really important for those in, who are in that place of authority to serve and bless others. We see it in Jesus. Keeps you humble, keeps, you, keeps your heart clear. And then Jesus says an interesting thing to them. Jesus said, anyone, by just giving you a cup of water in my name, is on our side. Count on it that God will notice. God will reward him. This is in verse 41. That's a just different translation. And even serving, that there's a recognition. Again, just kind of hammering into the disciples, you are here to serve. You're here to help. You're here to build up others. And what that guy was doing, this unknown believer, he was doing the right thing. You need to see, capture what he, he had caught. I, I always think, uh, I wanted to put a name to the unknown believer. I don't know how many of you ever watched those. I, li I like mystery films. I like, uh, you know, the murder mysteries or, you know, the crime films and stuff. Some of you are like, yeah, laughing there. I do, and it's one of those things that you always hear when they, when they find someone and they don't know the name of the person, they usually call him John Doe, and if it's a woman, Jane Doe. I think it's the American kind of crime films and stuff. So I was just thinking, maybe this guy, just call him the John Doe. I was just thinking of the name for him. But, you know, Jesus celebrates this unknown believer. He says, you know, this guy, he, even though he wasn't in the inner circle and he wasn't part of that group, but he yet, he, he knew something. He just put it into action. Information is good. I believe that we should learn stuff. We should understand things. But in, there's a difference with revelation. I think revelation takes you to do things. When something burns in your heart, when you've understood something in the Word of God, and it takes you out to make an action. I like spending, I like doing my devotional with my daughter, my eldest right now. So I, I try to. I wish I could do it every morning. I'm not that disciplined or because of school and other things. But when I do do that time, when I have that time of the Word of God with her, I'm also looking at what the Word says to me and it's interesting because I have to break it down and find a way to apply it to her life. And at the same time, it applies it to my life. And, and it's been good, just little things about serving, giving, uh, loving our neighbor. And um, 
we recently moved to central London. God's kind of been bringing us closer and closer to central London. And I think it's, again, because we're connecting to this house and to, the, to what God's doing in the vision of, of City Temple. And um, with my wife, we've always prayed, Lord, we want to bless, you know, we've, we love to empower and, and, and train the new generation and young people. And then we end up, we're living in, a, in, an, in an area, in a state, it's um, an interesting part of London. And slowly and slowly, we've been seeing how the kids, so I've got four kids, so it's quite, you know, I've got a, a, a large group at home, but now they all have their friends in the neighborhood, and they come along. And now they all want to kind of hang around outside our flat. And so we're doing Ribena and crisps and everything and putting chairs out for them, playing Uno and doing different little things. But it, for us, it's, but in our hearts, it's like, this is what we prayed for, God. We wanted to see a transformation in an area that we live. Because in other places that we live, there's more rural. It's always difficult. Everyone kind of goes in their house and that's it. But when you live in an urban, more inner city, and many of you do, you know, you, you go outside. Now, I grew up around here. I, those of you who don't, don't know, I actually grew up on Rosebury Avenue. And I kind of ran that area. And so I spent a lot of time outside going around to Bloomsbury, Holborn. That was kind of my area. Uh, Coromsfields was, you know, all us kids used to love going there to Corums to play football and basketball and all that stuff. So some, some of you remember those kind of things. And now I'm, I'm again in this area of London and, and the kids are coming and we're just excited. We're just really happy because it's an, an opportunity for us to share the kingdom in a, in a different way. And they, we have someone that's Polish. We have someone that's... Uh, um, f- from East Africa as Muslim. We have someone who is, I think, Turkish. We have someone from, uh, that is Jamaican. We have some uh, young uh, mixed race. We have s- from different nationalities, and we're just sitting there. And in my heart, I'm like, yes, Lord, this is what we want. We want to just, the kingdom and our kids to share. And, um, and it's interesting, you know, and we're, you know, we have, we're even teaching them to not, you know, say naughty things to each other, because one of them said some really nasty thing to one of our kids and I guess it's just the way they grow up. And we said to them, look, that's not the way you should talk. And the young that person, okay, learn, and they, they, they know not to swear or to speak wrong around our kids or around us, but they still come. They want to hang around, they want to play, they, they enjoy being around. And I, I just, again, that's about being that Christ and bringing that kingdom to that area and thinking about that. And I, I can say to you, that can also apply to you in, in many ways, maybe in your office, maybe in your university, maybe in your college, maybe at your work. How can I bring the kingdom? It's not about sounding religious. It's not about, you know, you know, this is what the Bible says and you've got to do. It's more living the scripture, turning the other cheek, loving your neighbor, forgiving, showing how to, 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 to live the kingdom in your actions. Again, the unknown believer to me, his mighty works. He's, he wasn't preaching. He wasn't standing in a corner and giving a sermon that was powerful and people were coming and saying, yes, we've got to receive Christ or we've got to come into the kingdom. No, he was actually just doing it with his actions and it was catching God's attention. I, wanted, I want that. I want that my actions catch God's attention. Three things that I see in this unknown believer that, that for me, I want to share with you. He, and I, this is what I think kind of act, you know, made him become recognizable or, or doing the mighty works of the kingdom. He wasn't thinking about himself, but others. He wasn't thinking about what this means to me. He was really thinking, how do I bless someone else? How do I become a blessing to those who are around me. That's the first thing I see in this unknown believer, this, his mighty work. He wasn't thinking what it means. And you will do mighty works when you step out also. The second thing, when you step out of your comfort zone. It is uncomfortable. It is, when we do things for God, and I think if you're really going to do great things for God or you're, or you're asking God to do 
even a small thing, he will get you uncomfortable. He will, put, he will step you out of there. My, my walk, my, I think, and it probably is with everyone, our spiritual walk with God is always an uncomfortable one. Because he's always getting us to step out of where we are. At least that's been my life. I mean, he's always pushed me. I felt almost he's always kicked me out into to doing things. And I just find myself here. I mean, I, I grew up as a son of a pastor. And I could tell you, I did not want to be a pastor. I did not want to do anything with ministry. I did not want to preach or teach. When people would say to me as a seven or ten-year-old, you are the next pastor. This is very in our culture. You're going to be the next pastor. I would do this. I was like, I'd cut those words. <laughs> you don't understand how much pain it is to be a son of a pastor. I don't want to be a pastor. My dad suffers. My dad goes through difficulties. I don't want anything to do that. Then God kind of grabbed me and shaked me. You are going to be. And I said, yes, Lord, I surrender. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> when you step out of your comfort, when you step out and you do what God has asked you to do. The third thing I see in this my, this unknown believer. You want to do something for the glory of God. You want to do the mighty work. You want to see something move. You, you, you're thinking about what it brings glory to God. Again, about this young guy and being famous on social media. This unknown believer, we don't even know his name. Like I said, we don't know his age, whether he's married or single. We don't know nothing about it. Yet, Jesus says, the mighty works of this man. He recognized him. And, it, and it's about that. It, this guy wasn't thinking, you know, this is going to make me part of Jesus' team. You know, if I do this, I'm going to get part of, you know, get out, Judas. This is my spot now. No, nothing like that. If anything, he was get, doing it all for the glory of God. This glorifies God. And that is why God, when Jesus said, you know, it's the mighty works of this unknown believer. He had faith. And he had faith in God to do the will, you know, to do those mighty works. And, some, and I think, you know, sometimes we think, well, I wasn't called. You know, no one, you know, some, some people think, you know, I'm waiting for the man or woman of God, the prophet, to say, point at me and call me out into ministry. This guy didn't have that. But I like what the scripture says. You know, you may say, I'm not called. But his word says, his word says, you have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. You may say, I haven't been picked. But his word says, you are, you are the branch of Jesus Christ and of the, the vine and a channel of his life. You might say, I'm not recognized. But his word says that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ. And you may even say, but I'm not chosen. But God says, you are my chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For every argument we lift up to God, God has a promise and a blessing to get us out of that. <laughs> we have to kind of say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? You know, I'm not going to stay in that place. I'm not going to just, I don't want to be the spectator. And I, I really believe, someone always said to me, the power is in the pew. You know, the gifts are in the church. And I think today was amazing. We were supposed to bring a guy to do the worship for us here and everything. But yet, the, leader, the, 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 the church rose up and did an amazing job. And I think that shows the glory of God. That there is in the church the gifts, the talents, the abilities are all here. And I think there's more yet to come. So I just, in conclusion, into kind of finishing this, Jesus wants us to do mighty works. I really believe that. And he will equip all of us who are called. And we need to be humble to see also who God is calling. 
And, uh, and it, like I said, it, it may come in an unexpected way. It may come in ways that we don't see it. You know, I've, well, when developing and, and, and growing, a lot of people want to see, oh, these, these are good leaders. These are good disciples. And, you know, great. But Jesus was interested in forming great leaders, great disciples. And for that was them to impart, activate others, do the work. Get not just... Not just the 12. He was trying to get Peter and John to understand, guys, you're not going to be here forever. You need to train others. You need to get others ready to take your place. You've got to think further out. And, I, and it's the same, you know, kind of for us. We've got to think, okay, we've got a, we're carrying a torch for our generation, but also preparing for that next generation. I think the conversation maybe should have gone like this. Jesus, look, we found a guy who actually knows how to cast out demons. We actually know someone who actually knows how to advance the kingdom here. Come and bring him to be part of the team. You know, there's a dodgy guy here in our team, Judas, and maybe this guy could be good on our side. Maybe something like that could have been the conversation of John or Peter instead of kind of criticizing or maybe saying this guy shouldn't. I, I just challenge you today and ask that the Lord, you know, in my heart, I want to do something great for you, Lord. I want my life to, to bring glory and honor to you. And in different ways, maybe leading an intercession, maybe serving at the door, maybe you know, helping here in, in, the, in the sound system, maybe helping putting the coffee. All of those things bring glory. Remember that even if we do those small things, there's a reward. God says it won't be forgotten. It won't be ignored. And when we're faithful in the small, God will bring us into the bigger things. Let us stand as we pray. And thank for this uh, morning. As we bow our heads, let's thank the, our Father in heaven that there are many unknown believers. There are many those who are not looking for fame. There are many of those who just want to do, want to serve you, Lord. And I believe there are many in this room as well, Lord. Father, we come before you, Lord. We open our hearts to you, Lord. Lord, yes, we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see an outpouring. We want to see revival. We want to see, Lord Father, a move of God on this nation, Lord. So here we are as your children. Here we are, Lord. And use us, Lord Father. Let us not think about our comfort or our, our security, but let us think about what is good for you, what brings you glory, Lord. Let us think of how the need of this city, Lord, those who are oppressed, those who are hurt, those who are needing healing, Lord, those who need to hear the gospel, the poor, the orphan, the widow. Let's think of the neighborhoods that you've placed us in or the jobs, the office, the, the university or the college, Lord. And let us see it the way you see it, Lord. Lord, that we could speak your word, that we could do your work, that we could be your hands and feet and be your mouth and your eyes in those places, Lord. Father, we ask you now, Lord, put in our hearts that faith to declare your word, to speak it, Lord, and to bring healing. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the, the vision, Lord, and the spiritual DNA in this house, Lord, Father, and that we're learning to grow in it and, and to see your kingdom be released here, Lord, Father. Father, we give you glory and we give you praise. Just lift up your hands there where you are as we begin to worship God. We also pray for healing in this morning. We pray for, Lord Father, for those who need healing in their bodies, healing physically or emotionally, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that on the, on the cross, Lord, you took our wounds, you took our transgression, and by your stripes we are healed, Lord Father. I pray for healing right now, Lord, across this place, Lord. You bring healing even to those who are listening, Lord Father, to the recording on, on online, Lord. We pray for healing for those there 
that it may receive a touch of your spirit, Lord. Father, we give you glory and we thank you, Lord. We pray also pray for a covering over our pastor, Rod and Karen, Lord, as they are this time in Scotland, Lord. We ask for that your grace, wisdom, and favor be upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.